The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there at the top of the page, you're going to see two videos. The one on the left is Bradley's show from Saturday afternoon, uh, two hours worth of Bradley Dean. So if you're interested in catching that and you didn't get to see it, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern today, at which time he should be live in that little area right there. Uh, on the right side of the page is where we're at. So click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. Great to see all our friends over there on Rumble today. And um, yeah, we'd love to have you over there as well. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're also streaming live on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. And we appreciate those guys giving us a spot over on Before It's News. Right up under where we're uh, streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, those go out once a day between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And then if you want our ministry email and want to know what the Sons of Liberty are actually doing each week, uh, go over to sonsoflibertyradio.com and you can sign up for the email that goes out once a week on Saturdays. You can sign up for that right off the front page there. And then finally, if you would like to support us and keep us out there doing what we're doing, um, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Click on a don't uh, click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And we do appreciate you guys uh, very, very much in uh, what you provide. Now, with that said, um, pull around my, one of my screens here so I can see a couple of things because <laughs> I've been pulling up uh, several things as we've gone on today. Uh, one thing I want to do is I, I kind of want to start off with this. There's, there's several things that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, a national gun registry has been introduced, not by a Democrat, by the way. And I make a, the point of Democrat and Republican only for the sense of showing you they're the same. They really are the same. Uh, a national J gun registry has been introduced by a uh, Republican. It's got 182 Democrat co-supporter, co-supporter sponsors on the bill. We're going to talk about that. 
4.77 trillion dollars in new taxes. I forgot to add trillion in there, didn't I? I'm going to have to sort that out. Uh, and a health cover up. So let's get into some of that. But what I want to do is I want to start off with this uh, report about this great reset, this economic reset, because I think this will end up tying all together, sort of like our show with Kate the other day. We just got into a whole bunch of things that were all tied together on the health aspect of what we were talking about. This is from Greg Reese. This is on the uh, the Great Economic Reset. Check this out. Signed in 1787, the U.S. Constitution states that no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts. In 1791, to help pay for the revolution, Congress established the first National Bank of the United States. Within a decade, it became evident that taxes were being sent to the crown and the bank was not renewed. A political battle ensued, which resulted in the formation of America's first two political parties, the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans. The framers of the U.S. Constitution left out any mention of political parties because they saw them as corrupt relics of the British Crown's divide-and-conquer system. The second central bank was chartered in 1816 and shut down in 1832 by Andrew Jackson, who wrote that the bank was unauthorized by the Constitution, subversive to the rights of states, and dangerous to the liberties of the people. For nearly a century, America thrived without a central bank. Until 1914, when the privately owned Federal Reserve banking system was quietly given power over America's wealth. In 1933, the U.S. government declared bankruptcy and the Fed shifted to a debt-based economy. And after the U.S. dollar was made the world reserve currency, the entire world became dependent upon debt. A currency backed by nothing but debt and IOUs was doomed to eventually fail from the start. And that day appears to be coming soon. These big banks have funded wars and criminally profited off human suffering for decades. Credit Suisse alone has been fined over 50 times for over $10 billion for money laundering, fraud, espionage, drug trafficking, and stealing money from the people. Every person in the civilized world is now feeling the same financial pressure being subjected by the U.S. Federal Reserve Bank. Nations of the world are buying up record amounts of gold. Three quarters of the world have joined BRICS to prepare for a new world reserve currency after the end of the U.S. dollar. Zimbabwe and Mexico are now joining BRICS. But it's important to remember that the Federal Reserve Bank is operated by BlackRock. BlackRock is operated by the Rothschild City of London banking cartel. And so even if the Fed collapses, BRICS is most likely another proxy of this old banking cartel. The idea for BRICS was born in 2001 from Goldman Sachs. The Federal Reserve Bank's digital currency, FedCoin, is already hugely unpopular. CBDCs are being rejected upon arrival, but that isn't stopping the federal government and the failing big banks from luring the population into their new nightmare system. 
This July, the Federal Reserve Bank will be launching FedNow and managing practically every transaction made in the United States. Then all they have to do is what the Nigerian Central Bank just did, shred and destroy mountains of cash and stop filling the ATMs. But we're not slaves yet. And if we want to have financial freedom, then it's time to fight back against the CBDC concept and return to lawful constitutional money. Oklahoma has a law in the works that will protect Oklahomans from being forced to adopt a CBDC. And Florida is now working on a law that will expressly prohibit the use of a CBDC. Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, is calling on other state governors to do the same and fight back against CBDC nationwide. At least a dozen states have passed laws to begin accepting gold and silver as cash on the path to returning to a lawful constitutional money system. Several states have begun printing their own gold backs, a currency shaped like notes made of thin layers of pure gold with a polymer coating, making it easy to spend a dollar's worth of gold. And the free market has been busy figuring out blockchain banking since the Bitcoin white paper. We don't need a central bank or a government to manage our money, but we have to act now and prepare. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Okay, all right. So you can see how all this is being set up, and you can see how some states have already been pushing back for years. There have been states, and again, I don't understand this when our Constitution is very clear. Only gold and silver coin can be used for payments of debt. That's, that's supposed to be the law of the land, right? Why do you have to write more laws to say it's okay to have gold and silver as payments of debt? <laughs> I guess I guess what it is is to deal with the ignorance of the people in the states. If a guy comes into your establishment and he wants to give you gold for whatever products he's going to buy, you go, well, "Wait a minute, that's not money." Um you got to have you got to have those dollar bills. We want that that piece of paper. Um I guess that's what that's to deal with. That's the only thing I can figure out because otherwise the law is already there. It's kind of like second amendment sanctuary cities or counties, or states. It's like, it's already there. Just say, we're not having any of your federal gun laws. Period. We're not going to have them. So anyway, I, I thought this was an interesting report and seeing all who all is tied into it uh, as we take a look at that. Now, I'm going to go through a couple of things today, and I do want to show you uh, this particular deal for the uh, National Gun Registration. Um, and again, you know, I get the shades of Nazi Germany from what I've read, and I know this went on in other places too, but in Nazi Germany especially, you read the book um, Gun Control in the Third Reich by Stephen Halford. It gives you a really good picture of what was going on in uh, Nazi Germany. And you just, it's hard for us to fathom how this played out. Uh, when these guys came in, one of the things that happened was they had already started to establish gun laws, if you will. And that was before Hitler came to power, by the way. And they already had a, re a national gun registration in place. So they knew who had weapons and who didn't and who to target and who not to target, who not to waste their time on. And if they caught you with them, you didn't get a court date 
you didn't get a trial of your your peers or anything like that, you got a bullet in the head. If you had a truncheon, if you had a knife, you had a gun, the, the officers who found it on you would just kill you in the street. Judge, jury, executioner, right then and there. This is the kind of danger we're, we're seeing. And, and if you don't think this can happen here, you're not paying attention to some of the stories we put out, especially by Matt Agaris. Uh, that guy is on it when it comes to dealing with the police. There are many police who act as though they're above the law. I'm not saying all of them. I'm not broad brushing that. But there is there is quite a bit of them because we ha we could probably produce 100 stories a day on corrupt police officers. We really could. There's that much information out there now. Uh, citizen journalists, people who are filmed while they're being uh, treated in a manner that you know, law law enforcement should be dealing with completely different. And um, who doesn't like Infowars? I didn't say that. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, trauma nurse. I never said anything about not liking Infowars, but uh, okay. <laughs> don't put words in my mouth, all right? Uh, in any case, this is coming out in our own country here. Shades of Nazi Germany, Republican congressman introduces national gun registration and gets 180... 180 Democrat co-sponsors. He's got some Republicans ones, too. There's no doubt in my mind that they'll come to the forefront. But uh, this was from Guns in the News. And this is also taken from the American Firearms Association. Um, here's, here's what we read. Pennsylvania Rhino Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick. That's this gentleman right here that everybody can see holding his hand up like he's doing a, a girly parade or something like that. Um, he just introduced the National Gun Registration Legislation, H.R. 715. So if you want to check this out, you can do so, H.R. 715. Uh, he's the lead sponsor of it. He's enlisted 180 Democrat co-sponsors. Uh, of course, all of those guys are communist gun grabbers. That's exactly what they are. And because it's a Republican like him, he's the lead sponsor of the bill, there's a real danger to our Second Amendment rights in the House. More than a dozen rhinos voted for gun control last summer. Here's the details. H.R. 715 creates a national registry of every gun owner in America, setting the stage for Joe Biden or anybody else, for that matter, uh, to implement. You know, couldn't, wouldn't this be interesting if they did this right here and then you, you bring Donald Trump in to go ahead and continue his red flag law push? That's, that's why you have red flag laws right now in the States is because of Donald Trump. And you push him in there and you do that. Wouldn't that be interesting? Mm-hmm. So he goes on, he says, to be implemented a widespread gun, gun confiscation down the road. And should you dare to sell or give one of your firearms away to a family member, a friend you've known for decades, or anyone else without first registering that gun with the federal government, you would be facing felony charges. Felony charges. H.R. 715 is the backbone of national gun registration, outlaws the private transfer of firearms unless you add your name to a trackable government database. It's a dream bill for Biden and the Dems, and now they have a Republican leading the charge. As I mentioned earlier, there is a much-talked-about legislative maneuver where this bill could pass. Even though Republicans control the House, a discharge petition could be used to pass this and get it over to the Senate. Currently, there are 213 Democrats in the House. What has he got? 182? 
all would vote for H.R. 715. If the Dems can find uh, a handful of Republicans, that's five, that's all they need to go along with their gun grab, they could get to 218 and pass the bill out of the House via a discharge petition. Isn't that interesting? They, they're just not going to stop. And they don't care about your rights. They want to target you. And these things cannot be allowed to be done because it's none of their business. It's none of their business who has a gun and who doesn't. But see, this is the road we go down when we don't bring justice. What are you talking about, Tim? Because we will not bring justice against violent criminals, murderers, rapists, those who sodomize, those who kidnap, because in, in the, there's, a, there's a small list of capital crimes, and we don't deliver real justice. No, we put them in a jail cell, and then we make their families and their victims pay to keep them up. We provide injustice, not justice. And because we don't provide that justice, well, then we'll let these guys out in a couple of years. And so, therefore, everybody has to prove they're innocent to get a gun. Well, how is that working, Tim? Well, when you go buy a gun, what do you have to do? You have to run through a background check, don't you? And what's the background check? That is, that is to prove your innocence so you can get the gun. You're assumed guilty. You're assumed as though you've committed a crime and you have to prove you're innocent to purchase a gun in order to do what the Constitution is supposed to be for, to, there to protect you for, which is to keep and bear arms. In order to keep and bear arms, you have to acquire them. So what are they doing? They're saying, nope, you have to do this. And so now what they're going to do is, instead of just a background check, once you purchase that gun, they're going to sign that little thing up, the ATF's going to come through there, and they're going to collect all the names, and they're going to put it in a database. And I'll, I'll guarantee you right now, they're putting names in there now. We've seen where ATF uh, agents have gone in to check on their FFLs, and what they've done is they've opened up the folders and they started photocopying. You don't think they're making a database out of that. You know they're making a database out of it. This is just going to seek to legalize it. And um, maybe some of you want to give uh, Mr. Fitzpatrick a call, an email, a text, or something. And uh, there's also on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com in this article, you can also click on here and you can sign a petition. They're going to be uh, providing a petition there. And these guys at American Firearms Association, um, Chris Dorr and his, his gang over there, these guys go face-to-face -face with uh, the representatives and with the staffers and everybody out there. So they will make sure that it gets to them to let them know, nope, Americans do not want this. We do not want this. Why? This is a direct threat on liberty because what are... The, what are arms, what are they tied to? They're tied to the militia. They're tied to the men in the community who defend the community. In fact, the Second Amendment says the militia is necessary. It's necessary for the security of a free state. And I ask you, where is the militia? If it is necessary, if, our, if the framers of the Constitution believed it was necessary for the security of the free state, I ask you, where is the militia? And then ask yourself, why do you really have a free state? Do you really have that? Hmm. 
Just not so sure about that. On the heels of that, we got this story that came out over the weekend, too. Law-abiding gun owners turned into felons by ATF expansion of gun registry. Hmm. And um, this comes from Olivia Rondeau at uh, FEE. And she writes, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives has followed through on their plan to turn millions of lawful gun owners into felons in the name of public safety by reclassifying pistols with stabilizing braces as short-barreled rifles, effectively expanding the unconstitutional national gun registry. Now, you, you realize this is, this is the product of the ATF's assertion uh, against bump stocks, which the ATF rule said was perfectly fine and perfectly legal under the National Firearms Act. Why? Because one pull of the trigger, one bullet, right? Didn't matter if it, it looked like it was fully automatic. One pull of the trigger, that's what it produced. And it fell within the confines and the definitions of what a machine gun. And by the way, I don't even think we need definitions of machine guns. This is part of the problem of what we get into when we do this. The Second Amendment's clear. And what does the Second Amendment say? Well, it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms. Doesn't say guns, doesn't say knives, doesn't say bazookas, doesn't say cannons, doesn't say any of that, it just says arms. Why is that important? Because the framers understood that arms cover a, a wide variety of tools that can be used defensively. A baseball bat. You know, do we do we really want them outlawing baseball bats? No, they just pick certain things that they want to regulate and control you with. And so this is a big deal. So what is the deal with the stabilizing brace? It isn't even a gun. It's a part of a gun. And for those who don't know what it is, it sort of looks like a stock on a gun, but it's usually used on a on a pistol, like an AR-style pistol. It looks like a mini AR rifle. That's what it looks like. But it's it's considered a pistol because of its short barrel. So why, why did they give the stabilizing brace instead of a stock that you put into your shoulder? Well, they did that so you could so that you could wrap it around your forearm so you could hold it steady if you needed to use it one-handed. And why was this important? Because many of our veterans are, are disabled, lost limbs, or they're weak in certain areas. And so this was used in order to help many of those veterans. Now, obviously, some other people uh, use those as well. But the point is, is they were using that in such a fashion. Now the ATF has all of a sudden decided that what they said was was legal one day. Well, we don't want that either. And if you remember, they did the same thing with the guy down there at Rare Breed Triggers. They were trying to go after him for his trigger. And I believe he's got one that's very similar to the Fostec Echo Trigger, which is you pull the trigger once, it releases a bullet, you let go of the trigger, and it releases a round two. But still, it's with one pull of the trigger. And ATF, had, they had the, uh, the, the paperwork from the ATF that said it meets it just fine as long as when you pull that trigger the one time, you can put the safety on, let go of the trigger, and it doesn't fire. This is the weird stuff they put you through. What does the Second Amendment say? Arms. 
doesn't say whether it, it shoots 50 rounds in two seconds or whether it shoots one at a time. But they're doing this in order to regulate it. And you, you should see the guffaws in the gun community sometimes of people that I talk to about even the machine gun. Oh, you know, those just waste money. That's not the point. If that is the issue, then we shouldn't have any kind of machine gun at all in the military. But yet, what's what? The, what are what are the jet, uh, the, the 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 gunships? What are the other um, guns that are military use? Are there not many of them that are indeed machine guns? Yeah, belt-fed machine guns are pretty prominent. So why okay for the military? Not okay for the men who make up the militia. See the double standard? And they don't mind building up the military because they'll eventually try to use the military against the people, against the militia itself. And this is why our, our framers also stood against a standing army. So this is on the horizon for us. And with that said, I got one more here to tie in with the, uh, the gun news here. Illinois gun plaintiffs or banned plaintiffs Claimed that high, uh, constitutional rights are not extinguished by hyperbole. That's exactly right. Just because somebody gets upset, just because somebody gets triggered, just because somebody wants to make turn this into something it's not, does not take away the rights of the people. And this is pretty. This is a pretty interesting report uh, that was given by the Center Square staff, and. Um, one of the things that they say here is that the, the final scheduled filings have been made in the Southern District of Illinois federal courts in the consolidated challenge of Illinois' gun and magazine ban. The next key date is oral arguments next month. The state enacted a ban on more than 170 semi-automatic guns. Now, this look, when they do this, this isn't just these um, what the Mockingbird media has termed an assault rifle. No such thing. I'm just going to say it. There's just no such thing. This includes handguns, your common Glock, your common SIG, your common Smith & Wesson, uh, semi-automatic handgun, and rifles. Very similar to uh, what Dianne Feinstein put out uh, for her assault weapons ban. It's pretty much anything except for a revolver or like a Derringer-style pistol. So they enacted this ban. 170 semi-automatic guns and magazines, over 15 rounds for handguns, and 10 for rifles. Now, I, there's something else, too, about that that's kind of interesting. 15 rounds. I Maybe somebody out there can say, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a magazine with 15 rounds. I mean, I guess you could take the 20 or 30 round magazines and you could only put 15 in there. But it's just it's a little weird for me that they would choose very subjectively the number 15 rounds for handguns, and 10 for rifles. There's also a registry that opens in October with a January 1st deadline uh, or gun owners face criminal penalties. Can you guys figure that out? And there are, there's already four plaintiff groups sued in federal, group, uh, federal court. The cases challenging the ban on Second Amendment grounds were consolidated. And Thursday, the plaintiff groups filed their responses to the state's position that the law will stand constitutional muster so there's a whole there's a whole deal there that's going on as far as what they're presenting here 
and some at least some some uh, some of these groups are fighting back against it. They aren't just sitting down and say, "Yeah, okay, we got to do this." No, they're saying this is unconstitutional. It's unlawful. In fact, it's ex post facto law, and we know that Congress can't make that. So, what would why would we think that the states can do anything like that? And the ex post facto law is to say what once was what was legal before is now somehow un- illegal. I mean, this is goofy, man. This is just goofy. Also on the menu today is this new proposition of $4.7 trillion in new taxes with a supersized tax collector. This is also at SonsLibertyMedia.com over the weekend. Um, and again, you know what? I, I know Scripture speaks about uh, taxes. Uh, Paul would uh, address uh, the issue of taxation. And um, one of the things that that he would say is, this is why you you pay taxes, for the authorities are given. This is from Romans 13, 6 to 7. Uh, the authorities are, are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Uh, go, give everyone, this is obviously a different translation, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. But listen, a direct taxation on you is a threat to your liberty. It really is. And to your property. It always is. This is one of the things I found very interesting in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when the when Israel, they only had God as their God, as their king. That was it. He had provided for them. He had given them his law. He had protected them. And they said, we want a king like everybody else. We want somebody we can see. We want a man. And God was going to establish a governance there. He had, he had a plan to do that, but he didn't want to do it just then. The people were not ready for it. And so he said, okay. And he told Samuel, you remember, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. And I'm going to tell you what they're going to get. They're going to get this king. He's going to take their sons and their daughters for himself. He's going to take their property. He's going to tax them. None of that sounds good to me. None of that sounds good to to me. And indeed, they did. The kings did just that. I mean, Saul built it up so much. And we read over in, in 1 Samuel where Saul... On the day of battle, what happened? The people didn't have weapons. Only Saul and Jonathan had had weapons. See what happens when you want that man to rule over you? When you want to be like the rest of the nations and you don't want to govern yourselves? You bring in a man to govern you, and that man is going to eventually take advantage of you. Why? Because he's corrupt too. He's corrupt too. So, with that said, $4.7 trillion in new taxes. Now, who do you think is going to really benefit from a lot of this? Right now, it looks like Ukraine and uh, a little sodomite boy, uh, Zelensky over there, is going to be benefiting big time from taxing the people of the United States. Now, there's several things. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can point this out right here. This is just a, this is a short... This is a short little video here. This is an exchange between um, 
uh, Senator Kennedy and uh, this useful idiot Janet Yellen. Take a listen to this. Um, isn't it a fact that the president's proposed budget proposes $4.7 trillion in new taxes? It does. It does propose significant additional taxes. Yes. Four point seven trillion. Something like that. Yes. Okay. Now this is this is the Secretary of Treasury, and she's got to sit here and think about what is being proposed. This is the same lady that was involved in all the quantitative easing, the money printing out of the Federal Reserve. She was the head of the Federal Reserve. They keep. Recycling the same old people who continue to screw things up for us. Now they're doing what they're doing for their own benefit, but they keep screwing things up for, they keep putting these people back into office or in places of prominence. There's a reason for that. You can tell me all you want to, but Janet Yellen, there's no doubt in my mind, she's controlled as well as the others. No doubt in my mind about it. So what are the specifics on this? Let's take a look at this. Now, this was provided by, um, there was a representative, I forget his name, uh, but it, this is, comes from the Senate Finance Committee. And you can, you can actually get the document, but this is the text of it here that I'm showing on the video screen. This is what was provided by the Senate Finance uh, Committee, R uh, the, the ranking member, Crapo, that's his name. He said the president's budget calls for nearly $5 trillion in new and increased taxes. If realized, these plans would create a tax regime that would lead to some individuals handing over more than half of their paychecks to the government. And many American businesses doing better off being headquartered overseas. Not surprisingly, the budget also requests even more spend first plan later funding for the IRS for enforcement and compliance operations, which will further squeeze hardworking Americans while doing nothing to make the IRS more service oriented and taxpayer focused. In his State of the Union address, President Biden repeatedly said, let's finish the job. This budget shows hardworking taxpayers exactly what they can expect. So what are some of these things? Well, they point this out here. Main Street job creators hit with $1.8 trillion in new taxes. This expands the small business surtax to hit owner-operated small businesses with a $650 billion tax hike, an additional $235 billion in taxes for non-corporate businesses through an increase in the top individual tax rate. Nearly 1 million small businesses organized as C-corporations will face a tax rate that is 33% higher. The highest personal income tax rate since 1986 is what's being put forth here. Nearly 45%. An expanded death tax will break up family-owned businesses. I mean, what happened to leaving an inheritance for your children? Now, I understand the scripture speaks about that as a spiritual inheritance, but there's also that which is acquired by the family, that the family go on. As land is acquired, as animals are acquired and, and such, that gets passed down generation to generation. Why? To keep the family alive and moving forward. But what, is, what does the state want to do? It wants to take that. It wants to tax it when dad dies. 
I mean, how immoral can you be to tax the things that have already been paid for? It is immoral. It is not godly. It is not biblical. It's unlawful. In fact, some of the things, it's kind of interesting. Let me just bring this in here just a little bit. For those who don't know what the definition of income is, and I was looking for my papers and they're in the other room, so I didn't I didn't bring them out or I'd have read you specifically the Supreme Court ruling on this uh, where they rule about what income is. But this is this is Blackstone's definition of what income is. Listen to what it is. The return in money from one's business, labor or capital invested, gains, profit, or private revenue. And this comes from uh, a case as well, Waring versus Savannah, or Waring versus Savannah. Income means that which comes in or is received from any business or investment of capital without reference to the outgoing expenditures. In other words, you use money to make money. The income is not you going to work for XYZ company and you trading eight hours a day for $10 an hour. That, that is just a trade. That is, you're not profiting anything. You're trading your labor for pieces of paper, as the Federal Reserve says. That's what you're doing. Okay? And then it goes on, and it says, um, income means that which comes in or is received from any business or investment of capital without reference to the outgoing expenditures, while profits generally mean the gain which is made upon any business or investment when both receipts and payments are taken into account. So you see, even profits, it applies to business. does not apply to you as an individual trading your time for money. Income, when applies to the affairs of individuals, expresses the same idea that revenue does when applied to the affairs of a state or nation. And by the way, you'll find uh, there's, there's another word that's used about you, and you have to determine, are you a public official or are you not? Well, most people listening to the show are not public officials. And so it does not apply to you. Uh, now, everybody will say, well, but you know the IRS, man, they're going to come after you and this, that, and the other. Okay, so so we are to, we're to submit to gangsters because they'll ignore the law, ignore definitions, and they want to come at us. We're supposed to just submit to that? Well, they're going to throw you in jail. Okay, I get it. But, but again, I come back to the thing. Is it lawful for them to do that or is it unlawful for them to do that? Is it lawful for them to arm themselves up against the people they're supposed to serve? And again, frankly, I think this just, it's, it's just crazy what we tolerate out of these people. It really is. Let's go back here to what we're reading in this $4.7 trillion, trillion in new taxes. Uh, this expanded death tax. $77 billion in death tax increases will force family farms, ranches, and other generational businesses to sell off assets to pay an enormous tax bill to Washington. And guess who they're probably going to sell it to? People like BlackRock, people like Vanguard, maybe some Chinese people. Maybe Bill Gates will be there to scoop it up. Who knows? He's buying up some farmland too. 
And in addition, Biden has revived his plan for a second death tax by forcing heirs to pay an additional tax on their predecessor's paper gains. Absolutely criminal. I mean, the, the idea that I get in all of this, you guys have seen, you know, the films where you have the old mobster kind of guys and you've got the, the, uh, the street lined full of businesses and the, the, the mobsters thugs come around, you know, Guido and, Luigi or whatever, and they, they go into one, one place and they collect the rent for protection, right? And then they go to the next one, they do the same thing and they do the same thing, they do the same thing down the line. And uh, if the person doesn't pay, they either beat them up, they kill them, or they wreck their business in some way. That's what this reminds me of. That's exactly what this reminds me of. In addition, what are we seeing? A business tax regime that gives China the upper hand. Isn't that nice? Well, I guess this is not surprising coming from the uh, uh, China Joe. Despite negotiating a 15% global minimum tax rate for the rest of the world, the president's budget calls for leapfrogging the global minimum tax rate for domestic businesses to 21%, giving our business, our biggest foreign competitors like China the upper hand to un undercut America's ability to fairly compete. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The budget also calls for hiking the domestic corporate tax rate to 28% when combined with state and local tax. And here's the thing, just so people understand, what, because I'm sure some people were going, well, Tim, where are they going to get the money to operate the government if they don't tax the people? They Before, they taxed corporations, which are not individuals. They They used tariffs, so they taxed goods that were coming in from afar. So you still ended up paying a tax in some way or another. It was, a, it was kind of formulated into whatever products you were getting, but it was not a direct taxation on you. You understand the difference? See, when you have it in the corporation, you're not a, there's no risk to you. You're not in, in danger of losing your house, your cars, your land, or going to jail. If the corporation pays it and you know that a tax is included in that a product that you're buying, well, you can choose to buy it or not buy it if that's what you want to do. And there's no harm that comes to you. So keep that in mind as to how that plays out. But here they're doing it and they're raising it up so much that American corporations, businesses and such are going to be paying a higher tax rate, which they're going to have to pass on to the consumer. That's how economics work. And then what's going to happen? Well, they're going to have a higher price for their products than other countries do, namely China. That this is what's, this is what's going on. And then we have added to that a supersized IRS. The budget requests an astounding $43.2 billion more for the IRS. In addition to the $80 billion the IRS already received from the Inflation Reduction Act, of the $43.2 billion, $14.1 billion comes from the annual budget request for fiscal year 2024. An additional $29.1 billion comes in the form of supplemental funding for enforcement and operations. And Congress's nonpartisan scorekeepers have already confirmed the IRS cannot collect estimated revenues without auditing those making less than $400,000 per year. 
and there's other things that go along with this as well. And you can see those at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Now, one other one that I want to bring in, and this one ties to what, what we were talking about, uh, was it last week or the week before? We did a show on uh, fluoride. No, we didn't do a show on it. I did an article on it, and there was a guy um, that Kate mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm going to give it a shot. Dr. Ishwaran Kohilathas. I hope I said his name correct. Uh, but he he goes on to Twitter. This is the guy Kate was talking about. He goes on to Twitter. He starts pulling um, the studies from the National Institute for Health website, PubMed, starts pulling the studies on a particular subject, and he starts laying them out as to what the issue is. And um, he, uh, I'll just, uh, I'll drop this in the chat for you guys. This was the, this was the one, the article that I did for what he was dealing with on fluoride. And what he discovered was that this pineal gland that's in your brain or somewhere up in there, in your head, this pineal gland gets calcified. And he said the biggest culprit, the main culprit for that calcification is fluoride. And I did play for you some of the videos of how fluoride's made. It's a byproduct of making aluminum. And they don't want to sit here, even though some of them are dumping it in the, in the, just dumping it in the ground, dumping it in the water. Many of them took and found a way to take this waste and make it profitable. So they sell it to toothpaste companies. They sell it to mouthwash companies. They, they put it in all kinds of other things that we consume. And this is toxic. They tell you it's good for your teeth. It's good for your bones. It's all this. You know, it's good for everything, but it's really waste. It's toxic to the human body. And people buy it up. They eat it up. And they even put it in their drinking water. Boy, I'm going to tell you what, when you read some of the stuff that it does, if you, if you click on that link that I've dropped into the chat, one of the things that you're going to see is you're going to see all the studies. He, he cites every study from the NIH website on fluoride and what it's doing. And you have to come to the conclusion that when you take this, this information to your city or county council who's putting fluoride in the water, and once you let them know, if they don't know, because many of them probably don't even know, once you let them know, they're held accountable for all of the destruction that that fluoride causes. So what was going on? Well, seems to be a cover-up concerning fluoride. And this is a concerted effort by the National Institutes for Health, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the same, you know, same criminals who are doing the, the convids, and the Department of Health and Human Services. And what are they doing? They're trying to cover up a six-year study on toxicity of fluoride by the National Toxicology Program. Now, that is tied with them. This is their own study. And they're trying to suppress it. This comes from our friend Max Slavo over there at uh, SHT, what is it? SHTFplan.com. Here's what he writes. Assistant Secretary for Health Rachel Levin, the infamous man dressed as a woman that Joe Biden appointed to head up the HHS, intervened last June to stop the release of the May 2022 
2022 NTP uh, review, and the NTP is the National Toxicology Program, known internally as a monograph. The Fluoride Action Network responded to Levine's obstruction of the review by filing a lawsuit, which ultimately prompted the report's release on March 15, 2023. The media is obviously ignoring the report, but it does show there's no safe exposure to fluoride. Isn't that interesting? There's no safe ex exposure to it. Not even a little bit. Quote, research on other neurotoxicants has shown that subtle shifts in IQ at the population level can have a profound impact. A five-point decrease in a population's IQ would nearly double the number of people classified as intellectually disabled, according to the review. Though a controversial topic for many years, the review's authors concluded that fluoride is, quote, presumed developmental neurotoxicant, end quote, with 27 out of the 29 highest quality studies confirming that fluoride at levels commonly added to water supplies heavily damages the brains of children. And what did NTP say? Quote, we have no basis on which to state that our findings are not relevant to some children or pregnant women in the United States. Well, of course. Of course. And you'll be able to read the, um, you can click on read their, what, they, what they've got here. Also, Undercover DC says this about it. Equivalent to the calibration between Big Pharma and the FDA, CDC, and the Biden administration as the experimental mRNA COVID injections came to life, documents obtained through FAN's uh, FOIA show that government agencies that promote fluoridation joined with dental interests and attempted to water down the report. The documents reveal that one unnamed government comment. A commenter insisted that the NTP's data do not support the assertion that fluoride is harmful across the board. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like here's all the evidence that we have, and yet it's really not dangerous. Here's all the evidence we have, and the shot's really safe and effective. Here's all the evidence we have. We know it sounds real bad, but that fluoride is just fine in your, in your toothpaste. It's just fine in your mouthwash. It's just fine in your water supply. It's good for you. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. It really is. And one of the things is, is that we've, we've talked about before. All of this is setting up for what's to come. Because, again, we, we, haven't, we haven't brought justice here. The more t the more taxes the stealing from us the illegal alien invasion this chemically poisoning us not just with fluoride but with all kinds of stuff the attacks on our right to keep and bear arms the attacks on our speech the attacks on our assembling understand january 6 was an attack on not just free speech. It was an attack on assembly. That's also protected in the First Amendment, guys. It was an attack on assembly. And they let them do their thing up there, and then they went house to house, picking off these people. And now they're saying, what, they're, they're going to try to get another 1,200 people? 
even after they've been exposed as the liars they are. They're saying, we're going to go try to arrest 1,200 more people. What have we said all along here on the Sons of Liberty? What have we said? What have we warned about? Amos 6.3, ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near. Look at the warning. This is not anything new either. This is, this is prior to Christ. This is Amos writing here. And you'll read, if you read the book of Amos, one of the interesting things is, boy, they are, a, they are living in a time of wealth and ease. I believe he refers to some of the women as cows. And why does he do that? They've gorged themselves on all the material stuff. The very thing that Paul tells women not to do about, he says, don't concern yourself with the outward appearance. And I don't think he's saying don't make yourself look nice. He's just saying don't let that take up all your time. Work on the gentle and quiet spirit. Well, what, what was going on with the women here is they're, you know, got all kinds of jewelry. They've done themselves up lavishly. They've done their hair up. They've done their, they were the, you know, your, they were, the, they were trying to all be runway models and this, that, and the other. He says, your time's coming too. And for the guys too, um, you drink your wine bowls, you anoint your, uh, themselves with the chief ointments, you're in all of this stuff. Even the guys were going after, they were primping and everything too. And you had this going on, no concern, no care for the God who brought them and their forefathers out of Egypt gave them the land that they were in, provided all that they needed, and their wealth and ease caused them to forget God. The very thing, the very reason why God says in Deuteronomy 6 that you teach these things diligently to your children, and what does he finish with? You go down into verse 10, and he starts talking about, so that you won't forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of bondage, who gave you all of these things. I want to ask Americans, have you forgotten? Not 9-11. Have you forgotten God? Our pastor was saying, I'll end with this real quickly. Our pastor was saying yesterday, if you have no desire for the Word of God, if you have no desire for prayer and for fellowship with the people of God, you don't know God. Have you been giving yourself to the Word of God? Have you been giving yourself to prayers to your Father in heaven? Or have you been living and wealth and ease, giving some complaints that money's being taken or these things are happening. The Bible says, repent. Repent. And we'll see the blessings of God. We will. Not until then, though. Bradley, be with you at 3. Lord willing, we'll talk to you in the morning, 6 a.m. The vaccine-injured nurse will be joining us. You don't want to miss that. Talk to you then. See you.